my darlings. Welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. I am, like, sugared up tonight. I had um, a very large cinnamon roll for dessert. So I don't know. I don't know where this podcast is going to go. The good old dairy jazz. That's good. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess there is some dairy, obviously, in the cinnamon roll, but... There's a lot of cinnamon and a lot of frosting. So, woof. Yeah, I just had a chocolate chip cookie. Not so much. It didn't sugar me up that much. Because you couldn't get your cinnamon bears. That's true. That I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> we had a mishap at, you know, Ollie's, the crazy thrift store, because Jason couldn't get his red hot cinnamon bears there. <laughs> so, like, we're on a tight schedule on Wednesdays, because we have to pick our girls up from what they're doing at church. So we go there, it's like, you know, there's five minutes until we have to check out, and inevitably, every time we're on a time crunch, we go to the cash register, and there's some person jacking around with something that is dumb, and causing me to not be able to do what I need to do. And it's irritating. I was going to get three packages of cinnamon (laughs) bears, I was going to have so many cinnamon bears to eat, and now I have no cinnamon bears, and it's really sad. Not that we can't ever go back to the store and get the cinnamon bears at a different time. Not that we actually need the cinnamon bears. Everything that you're saying does not matter. <laughs> I want the cinnamon bears. It's a source of great consternation, clearly. Meanwhile, I got nothing at the store because I ate a ginormous cinnamon roll. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, we're going to um, kind of have a continuation from last week's episode so if you haven't listened to that one you could still listen to this one independently you could listen to them in reverse actually if you wanted um but sometimes i try to do a play on words and as much as i want to steal all of my ideas um from other podcasts i did not steal this set of ideas i don't think i did that we're gonna that we're gonna say yeah, yeah i don't think i did I have no idea. You just give me the list and we talk about it. I have no idea where they come from. So you you like have like no culpability in this? Like you cannot be considered a accomplice because they don't share? <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that Katie, she's really plagiarizing those topics over the board game mechanics. It would only be a problem if people actually listen to us, you know? <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, we're, we get like four people that listen. So as long as we don't steal from those four people, we're all right. The problem is I have stolen some for the people that listen. <laughs> yeah, but they don't care and they don't count. Sorry, Tim. So this week's episode is about theme. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. No. But we are going to start off with some news. All right. And I'm going to take news up at the top here, which is a shock for everybody I know. But last week we kind of blasted on Keymaster for their reprint of caper but without calling it a reprint and making it look like it was a new game but that being said caper is a great game we have the first edition of it and if you weren't able to get that one i'm going to tell you about this new one that will fill that need to get caper and it will be solid so all the stuff we said last week i'm still ticked off about but now we're going to talk to you about the game and what it's like and what it looks like so Caper Europe is effectively a second edition of Caper. It's going to add an additional city of Barcelona. And what you're doing in this game is it's a two-player drafting game. So you're going to be playing some thieves out at these locations. You're going to be putting disguises and items on these thieves to help 
have the most capers on your side. So it's going to be like a two-player tug-of-war type game at these, these three different locations. And you're trying to just get the most points and most treasure or, um, artifacts. This one does the artifact piece a little bit different. Um, in the version we have, the artifacts were printed on the card, which one you were getting, which shape. There's like a, a bust and a diamond and a couple other symbols. But in this one, the new one, they're going to be randomly put out in the three locations face up, and the cards are just going to have a question mark on them. So when you play the item to your thief at that location, you can take any of those that you want. And the reason you want the different symbols is for set collection. The more of the different symbols you can get, the more points you're going to get at the end of the game. Um, so this game is effectively an upgrade to the first edition, but it's going to play similarly if you've played the original caper. So there is... There are, not there is, there are 14 days left. And for the Master or Master Thief Edition, I looked at it before we started talking this and now I forget. It's $39. So that's like the fancy, I think it's the regular edition, but it looks really nice. And it had 14 days, like I said. So Caper Europe, solid reprint, re-implementation of Caper if you can't find the original game. Definitely check this one out because this is an amazing game. Yeah, if you don't have Caper... You should you should back this Kickstarter. It's really good. It's a great two player game. The artwork is gorge. It's so great. Um, and and I I generally like Keymaster. This is a reprint of Caper with a few tiny extra things. Um, not a reprint that I can tell is a game from AEG. Hey, I know them. I'm actually a pretty big fan of AEG because they tend to do really good um, small box games that have like a lot of game. And this time they have teamed up with the designer from um, Champions of Midgard, I do believe. And is his name Ollie? Uh, Ollie Steinus? I don't know what his name is. Police oh, and Police Precinct. Yep, that's yeah, him. So yep. then, the, yes, that is him. <laughs> I don't know his name. I just do know that he has done those other games. Good job, Katie. I can read the Kickstarter. Good job. I can't. I doesn't. I can't. No, I don't even know where I found that. I can't even see him anymore. But it's that he's he's doing it, and it's a game called Meeples and Monsters. So it's apparently a bag building game. Though in the brief instructions they give you on the Kickstarter, they don't say what you're doing with that bag building. My assumption is um, you're actually building this town, which I like. That I think that's really fun, um, and you're doing that through recruiting different types of workers. So you can get like peasants and um, rangers and paladins and shamans and knights and apparently some corrupt ones and mages clerics you know all the types of things that you need to have sort of a high fantasy kind of town and so you're recruiting them i'm assuming then you pull them out of the bag to use them on your turn um but then you can you're putting tiles out that are um upgrading your town and you're also kind of i would say um it appears to be like lord's not Lords of Waterdeep, shoot, Champions of Midgard, the different colored meeples made me think of Lords of Waterdeep, Champions of Midgard, where you are going to like fight off invaders, things that are coming to, you know, prey on your town. And it's really cool. A ton of meeples. They also have an upgrade that you can get where they like put these cool like skins on the meeples. They're printed. So then, you know, the knights look like knights. The snozberries taste like snozberries. Like, it looks real. They look really cool. They look really cool. Um, so this is like a fun game. Um, looks 
pretty light in my opinion, which I do not mind at all. I like when you get to kind of build your own little place. Of course, I don't didn't watch any of the videos on it because I don't care what other people have to say apparently about board games. But this one looks like it would be pretty fun. Um, very much like a Lords of Waterdeep kind of Champions of Midgard type of game as you're going and um, upgrading and battling and all those kind of fun things. So that is Meeples and Monsters from AEG. There are seven days left on that campaign. And there's only one pledge level, 49 bucks. So you get those upgraded Meeples because they unlocked them. Um, you get like, it looks like a lot of game, really, for $49. You get it all for 49 bucks, which I think is is pretty cool. All the upgraded, there's um, four different kinds of expansions. There's solo game rules as well and components for that, which I think is awesome. I think more Kickstarters need to do that. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, this I watched a video on this, I think, like a pre, not like how the game plays, but just about the game from AG. It has some really nice stuff in it. I totally agree. It looks great. The first player token is a sword. looks cool. There's like a dark council and like some encounters and... Dark Council to- power tokens and yeah, and you get the upgrades and everything. So that's pretty cool. So Beeples and Monsters. My next game has just one day longer and it's a mermaid game, which I don't, I really don't think that that theme is used very often. So it's called Moonshell. It's a mermaid game um, by a little, a new kind of company called Unfiltered Games. And it, this definitely looks very light. So it's like a strategy puzzle game for one to four players. So you're a mermaid and you have kind of your own little collection that you're making of seashells. So it's about 20 to 30 minutes really quick. And the board has, is there's like a, a, there's a shared board, like an ocean board. And then you, each person has their own like little seashell collection treasure board. So the, ocean board is rotating um and so you you rotate the board in order to pull different types of tiles um which happen to have these different types of seashells onto your treasure board um to make different patterns and things to get you to score the most points um there's also a solo mode as well for this game it looks pretty cute the art's really pretty um the mermaid characters are really cool and again like i said not not a lot of mermaid games out there so I feel like our daughter would like this. Yeah, I, I, she, she would love this. So I have a question. This company is called Unfiltered Games. Uh-huh. What's, what's the designer's name? Is her last name Wright or his Wright. last name yeah, Wright? Yeah, Kelly Wright. Yeah. There's a, a reviewer, the Unfiltered Gamer, named Michael Wright. So when you said that, I just assumed it was part of the one and the same, which appears to be correct. From the reviewers and board game experts at Unfiltered Gamer. So yes. So it's a right. it's his wife. Oh, I'm assuming a woman designer. Um, it's a female illustrator. Um, there's some like other dudes who did the art. Michael Wright did some game development. Um, but I think that's really cool. It's really pretty. Like the artwork is really really pretty. And sometimes like I do like to have like simple kind of set collection types games. This reminds me a little bit of um, like half of the version of um the game where you roll the dice in the box and yeah what is that rec raiders like a simplified version of rec raiders like just half like the set collection part or um the whatnot cabinet just the different like a mermaid theme 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that sounds good. That's what it looks like. So, Moon sh- Moonshell, a mermaid game. Eight days left on Kickstarter. 39 bucks. Uh, that might be a little pricey for that, but it is really pretty. Um, and speaking of pretty games, the last one I want to talk about is really pretty. And it has anthropomorphized animals, which I do love. I love when little animals have their own lives. It's so cute. And this is called Silverwood Grove. And it seems like it won like this card des- this card game design contest on BGG, it says. Well, that's cool. Yes, it's one of six players. And in it, 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 it reminds me of Everdell in the look of it. So it's this card game. It's set in like, the, it's set in Australia, but it's like a mythical Australian realm, which is interesting. So a lot of the characters are more like Australian type of animals. And so you're going to create the most valuable woodland village. Um, so you can pick from a lot of different characters that all have like kind of their own like talents. So you can play different ways. Like there's a water dragon and it's really good at planning. So um, you are better at like mapping out turns or there's like this lorikeet that is really good at stealing. So you're able to like take some things, Um, but they all, and so that just kind of dictates your strategy. Like you can gain different points, by using like these strategies from the different players that you play and you've got you're harvesting materials grain vine sap stone you know kind of the usual you're getting workers you're building locations your hero is growing some skills you know with their talent and stuff um so you're just trying it appears to be you're trying to make a really cool woodland town and everyone's got like a little board like a player boards and they're all different like types of like australian kind of uh, ecosystems like the rainforest or the outback um or the thicket or the savannah or the billabong um and there looks like they're like inlaid player boards and then the the other cool thing i thought was like there's you can take up to five different types of actions on your turn so you have like this turn face token that has the different actions all around it so you just basically spin this wheel as you take each of the actions so you can kind of keep track, which... Yeah, that's cool. That, that, that's a good idea. Yeah. So it looks like ridiculously cute. The artwork is cute. It's got like adorable kinds of components. There's like a deluxe edition that I really want. And it also has like different game modes. So like there's a family mode that's like for like younger gamers, like seven, eight. So like kids. And even like even younger than that, like six to seven. So there's a couple different family modes. There's a solo mode, and then there's like your regular competitive, which I really like when games do that because you know since we play so many games, our kids see it and they want to play with us. And some of them just don't work for them, and so we're like, okay, we'll have to get one of your games. But it's nice when they're able to join in on games that we have. And this looks like you know one that they totally could jump right in if we played one of the other variants. So that it looks really cool. It looks cool. So that is Silverwood Grove. There's 10 days left on the Kickstarter, and it is $30 for the base. Yeah, I don't know much about this, but I did look at the art before we started, and it does look really nice. I like the way that it looks. Well, and also for 30 bucks, I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. For It seems like a lot of stuff going on in there. All right, that's that's all the news I got. I, I mean, I have like a ton of Kickstarters in the pipeline, so... If you notice a lot of my Kickstarters, I try to talk to them when they're talk about them when there's like a week or ten to ten days left. So if there's some Kickstarters you're like, oh my gosh, is you ever gonna talk about this? I probably will. Or send me a message or a note or whatever. Um, comment. 
so that I will get, I will bring it up and look at it. Um, but yes, Kickstarter is like happening right now. All right, time to move on to the best part, and that is getting to play some games. We got to play some games. We played a really old, really, really old game, um, and that's what we're going to talk about first. And this game is so old and so random and so out there that there are no videos. It's not on Board Game Geek. It does not exist anywhere. I don't even know why we know this game. Right. We're not talking old like, oh, you know, nostalgic game from the 70s old. No, no, no. No. 1931 up in this bad boy. And this game is called, I don't know how to say it, Mutuals or something like that. Yeah, Mutuals. So this is effectively the pre, 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 precursor to Homestretch. (laughs) It's a horse racing game where it's got maybe more realistic betting because you're buying like these tickets that are for uh, in increments of a hundred, which are going to determine how much is going to be paid out in the bet. And then what you're basically going to be doing is you're going to be auctioning off these horses. So you have ownerships in some of these, I think there's six horses and you're going to roll a move. You're going to roll two dice. One's going to have a color. One's going to have a number one through six. That horse of that color is going to move that many spaces. Whatever that horse lands on, you have to do. So there could be some positive things. There could be some negative things. But no matter who rolls that die, the owner of the horse, I think this is the rule because it's not spelled out in the rules. The owner of the horse either gets the benefit or has to take the consequence of that space. Don't know if that's accurate, but that's how we played it, and it seems to make sense. And you play like three races, and whoever has the most money at the end is the winner. Um, it's... Ultimately, it's probably not a great game, but it was pretty awesome to play a game from the 30s that wasn't actually like the most awful game I've ever played in my life. And it had some sweet like metal horses. So there is that. So what did you think about this old and busted, old and busted game? <laughs> um, I thought it was pretty interesting. Like the money that came with it, like felt like fabric. It was like, it felt luxe. Like it was cool. Um, my horse picks were the worst. Your, horse, your horses were terrible. They need to be turned into glue. I know. I was sending them straight to, like, the Imes factory. It was bad. Like, they're terrible. Or gelatin. Um, but it's still, like, it's a roll and move. Um, the novelty was the gimmicky of the metal horses and the little fencing of the inner part of the track. And it was, like, the board. the game board wasn't even really a board. It was, like, a piece of, like, pleather or something. Um with this track marked out on it. I think a lot of the concepts were really cool and I'd love to see them maybe implemented um, in a, in a newer, in a newer game, a little more modern because um, the mechanics of, Oh, like you've, there's like a foul and someone's contesting your win or whatever and you're drawing cards um, or that it's great for you to own horses because you want to, um, make money off of them, obviously by winning, but also having a horse costs a lot of money. And so having to pay like stable fees and, um, you know, if they need a new, sh- you know, shoe or something, like I think that that is a really cool thematic element that this one had. But in, I mean, you know, I'm not gonna play it every day, but it was it was a neat experience. Yeah, I actually really liked it. Like for a roll and move game, I don't know, it was entertaining. And it was funny when you roll someone else's horse and then they have to pay some money. I thought that was really funny. But yeah, it was it was good. I, I didn't hate it. All right, so going from 1930, we're going to another old-er game. And I think 
This one is from, let me ponder, let me think, 2004. Not 100% sure I'm trying to look it up, but my phone is being whack. Um, and this game is from Reiner Knizia, and it's called The Lord of the Rings. This is the very first co-op game, or one of the first ones. Who knows what the first one is, but it's one of the first ones. And in this, each player is taking on the role of a hobbit, and you're trying to get the ring to Mount Doom to kill it. You're going to play through four different boards. I think there's Mordor, Helm's Deep, Shelob's Lair, and Moria. I put those in the wrong order, but those are the four boards. <laughs> and each each time you're playing some cards, you're trying to keep Sauron back. You're trying to keep your corruption down and just try not to die. Uh, we ended up dying on the third scenario, I think, or second scenario. It started getting out of control. So... Um, what did you think of the Lord of the Rings? Because I think you have resounding praise and I want to hear what you think. <laughs> um, first off, I want to say I love the Lord of the Rings. The trilogy is so good. Um, I'm a big Tolkien fan. I love The Hobbit. I really enjoyed the movies. Um, I was so jealous of my best friend, Jamie, who had a cardboard, a life-size cardboard cutout of Legolas um, played by Elena Bloom at the time. However, I hated this game. And I hated this game probably unfairly. I'm sure I'll play it again. Um, I hate it for the same reason I, I hate a lot of co-ops. I don't like it when they're so mean to you. And I know that sounds whiny and dumb, and I am purposely being whiny about it because I don't want to play a game that I have zero chance of winning. And I really feel like you have zero chance of winning this game um, because so much of it is luck and not that I, I mind luck, but the opportunities to mitigate that luck are pretty slim. Um, yeah, that, that is true. There's a lot of slapping you around and not a whole lot of being able to do anything about it. That's true. Right. Like um, an income phase or something between would be nice. And they sort of try to do that, but they don't really, um, or they do it at the beginning when it's not much help to you as much as it would be later on. Um, and so I guess in that way, it's thematic for sure. Um, the art is hideous. I like the art. I think the art on the board is really good. The art on the board is fine. The cards are so oh, yeah. ugly. The, the cards are like London, London style. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like, it looks like clip art. They got off a of DOS, um, like the hearts and the ring and stuff. I'm like, come on. Now, I could see this being redone with really good art and then maybe some tweaking to the rules. Um, and, and I think it could be something really great, but I, I feel like it, it shows its age if I'm being fair. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with the, it showing its age part, but I still think it's fun. It's effectively like, it's a super abstract um, cooperative game. There's no theme there. It's just, Hey, play this card, move on that track that many spaces. That's kind of it. Yes, it's Lord of the Rings theme, but barely. And so I looked it up. This came out in 2000, so it's 21 years old. And there was a 20th anniversary edition that had some upgraded art, but it's not like what you're wanting. It's effectively a nice shiny lacquer with the same card art, but they did some like special borders around it to make it look, I guess, not so bad. So yeah, there is that. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right, and the last game we're going to talk about is the newest of the bunch. And I'm not sure when this game came out. Maybe 2020. Again, I should have looked this up, but I'm terrible at what we do here. So um, it's from AEG. And I know the designer is the guy who did Edge of 
Darkness, John St. Clair. I know that, but I don't know what year it came out. And the game is called Cubitos, if I didn't say that. And this is effectively Quacks of Quedlinburg and um, the Quest for El Dorado with dice. So it's a dice rolling game, push your luck style, where you're trying to roll certain faces of your dice. You can roll the dice as many times as you want, as long as you're rolling a face. So all the dice have a maximum of three faces. Some of them have one. And you roll all your dice. If you roll a face, it goes into your pool that you can use later. And you can keep rolling. And you can always stop whenever. But if you ever roll and you get no faces, you bust. You're going to move up on this pity track. And then may get a roll more dice later. And you're trying to be the first person to be able to move your die, your little character, whatever shapes they are. Sheep, lion, tigers, bears. From the start... All the way to the finish. And then whoever does that first, and if multiple people do it, whoever crosses the finish line, the farthest is the winner. So that was a terrible explanation. What did you think of this game that I explained poorly? Um, So this is brand new. This is Hot Stuff 2021. Whoa, I didn't assume that. Nice. We played some new hotness. We did play some new hotness. We went from wicked old to moderately old to super new hotness. (laughs) It's from AEG. Um, I, I liked it. Um... I don't know. There's some there's some things component wise I didn't like about it, but I thought it, I thought it was fun. I would definitely play it again. It's a nice little um, kind of light game. There is that push your luck element to it. I really like um, whatever that game is where you have to try and get through that you don't like. Quest for El Dorado. <laughs> yes, Quest for El Dorado. I really like Quest for El Dorado. Um, so I I liked this. I would love to see, and I'm sure that since it's brand new, I'm sure there'll probably be some expansions and stuff to like. Um, like vary up some of the things that you can do on a turn. That's not how you say it. Not vary up. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what you're trying to say, so I'm not going to chime in. Apparently, like all the sugar has left and my brain stopped working. Um, I would like. I there are other maps also that came with it, so I'd like to try a couple of different boards. Um, there are lots of different powers. I like that you can mix it up for what the different types of dice do. So I would like. I think this one deserves definitely several plays to see how all the different things pan out. Um, I don't love it. Like I would not replace Quest for Eldorado or Quacks, obviously, with this. But I think this is definitely a good. Um, this would be a good gateway game for people because I think a lot of people that don't play a lot of like designer you know type board games they love to chuck dice and to have like cute fun colored dice and it's also a race i think there is something um really approachable about this so yeah i mean it's it was pretty good oh i i loved it i love push your luck i love chucking those dice and i would boot the quest for eldorado so far into space <laughs> that it would go like into the next like like space. It would be out of our space and into other space. This game is a thousand times better than that game. No, especially not the new one where you're like picking up and delivering to. That is true. That one is better. That made me like it a little better, but that original version, garbage. It's so good. You're wrong. You're wrong, garbage. All Did right. You just so call me garbage we, on our podcast. No, I said you're wrong, and I was still talking about garbage for the mm. other game, but it did Y'all sound heard like it. I called you garbage. Y'all heard it. He's going to edit I mean, it out, but I'm going to remember. I've called you a lying piece of trash before, so I... Apparently, you do like to call me garbage. You see what I'm dealing with? <laughs> Our wedding anniversary is next week, 14 years, and he's calling me trash. Yeah, I guess. You're I mean, yes, our, our anniversary yourself. is next yeah, week. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm calling you trash. <laughs> Guys, you're so full of romance tonight. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that's usual, I guess. <laughs> All right, so before I dig myself into a bigger hole, uh, let's move on to the, the, um, the feature for today. Um, so last episode, we talked about designing our dream game, what kind of mechanics we really love that we want to see. Um, and while I was you know, spitballing that idea and thinking about it, I thought, well, what about like your dream game night? Um, because we we do have a lot of game nights with a lot of different types of people. We have traveled hours um, and set up several different types of gaming experiences and have had them at conventions and different things. Um, and so I thought, what are the kinds of things that we really want to have at a game night or a game day or a BGM con? What makes to us a really great gaming experience? So we've got five things, you know. We, I always say we're going to go through them pretty quick, and it never happens because I just keep talking. Um, so <laughs> hopefully these five things won't take too long, but they are things that we really, when we have a game day, this is what we want to see. My ideal game night would really start as early as possible. So the first thing I'm looking for in a game night is early start. How soon so can I'm- you get there? Yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, not like six in the morning or something. Yes, but a he would. Hour. He totally would. <laughs> He is lying. No, I wouldn't go that early. I would go probably 8.30. 8.30 would be my ideal start time. I've been up for an hour. I've had time to shower. Uh, I've gotten the kids breakfast, all that mess, and I'm ready to play some games. So I would start as early as possible because then that's maximum time for gaming in the day. Start at 8.30, play till 1 in the in the morning. That's a good day of gaming. So my first thing in an ideal game day is starting early. <sighs> um, <sighs> and you'll still be sleeping, but that's fine. I'll be, yes. I'll be gaming. Like that's why I—that's not one on here. But my ideal game day would be like Jason starts playing with some other sap he suckered into getting here at eight o'clock, and I will wake up around ten. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have two games in, and then you'll be rolling out of bed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but for me, um, something that I really want in. A game day, because normally if we're, if we're going to plan something, I'm talking like, again, Jason's starting at 830. So I'm up anyway, because he's like, it's like a kid on, he doesn't get that excited on Christmas morning. Um, I want to intersperse light and quick games with more intense games. So Jason would be like, let's play the entire Vital Asserta collection today. We're going to start at eight o'clock and we're going to go till one in the morning. And we're to just going to play. I don't do that. I know, but if you had your way, you totally would do it. So don't lie That's to me. That's true. That is true. And he's like, oh, you want to mix it up? Okay, let's put throw in some Marty Wallace. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> that sounds like a great game day. I know. I know you. You're going to change one of your answers later. Um, but I, 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 believe me, I love, I do like really intense, crunchy games. I do. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that. Um, but I also like a fun little, you know, let's chuck some dice. Let's do kind of, um, you know, like social deduction. Let's play like a quick, you know, hand of cards or something. I like having those little kind of almost like palate cleansers between like the more like meaty, intense games. Because I just think um, sometimes it's nice to get like a brain break and also then you can you know chat get something to drink you know that'll kind of come in later some other things that we have on this list but yeah, yes it will. 
<laughs> I uh, like to intersperse like light or quick um, filler games with in in with more intense games in a in a game night. I mean, that's normally what we do. I don't hate that, but you don't love it, it either. It, yeah, it's it's not necessarily my favorite thing in the world. But yes, we do that. Most of these things that we're talking about here, we I try to do. And some of them are a little jerky. I don't do those necessarily. Because <laughs> I won't let you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But th- the first one, I do like to start as early as possible. And we do do heavy and light games in the middle there. So, yeah. All right. So the next thing that I want to happen at a game day, this is going to sound terrible. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. And that is know the games that you're going to bring. And I don't mean like know it inside and out. I don't, what I mean is I don't want you to come with a game that you've never played before and we're all learning it together. So if you really, if you really want to play this game and you just got it the day before game night and you haven't had a chance to read through the rule book or set it up and look at it or watch a video, maybe don't bring that game. Not because I don't want to play it, but because it's going to take time out of all the other games that we could be playing that one of us knows how to play. So yes, that sounds jerky. I don't mean it to sound jerky, but if you're going to bring something, bring something that you like and that you want to play and that you played before or that you're pretty comfortable with and we can go from there. So my second one, know the games that you bring. And really this rises out of Jason's like own kind of OCD about learning games. He will not bring out a game unless he's played it solo by himself. He's watched a couple of videos on it. He, you know, has read through the rules. Sometimes he's played it with me first as his guinea pig before he teaches it to other people. And so for my second one, it's similar. I want you to know the games you bring, but sort of. I don't care if you've never played it before, as long as you have a general idea of how the game proceeds. Or if you're like, I don't really know this game, but it's a deck builder, or it's a push your luck, or it's a roll and move. And that you understand that I know how to play games, so I will willingly help you figure that out as we go along. Because I can't stand when someone brings a game... And they want to read every single word of the rule book to me, and they still don't know what they're doing. And and honestly, like the reason why I say know the games that you bring sort of is I've had people who are like, oh, yeah, I play this game much times. And they bring it out, but they teach it in like the most bat crap crazy way that no one could possibly learn it and play it competitively and have a good time. So there's some people that say they know the game per Jason's definition, but it doesn't show in their instruction. So I want you to at least be able to know the game you bring enough to kind of know how the gameplay, the turns work and the scoring works. And we can figure out like the details before. I don't care if you've never played it before or you've only watched it played or something like that. Like I am totally fine with that. Um, But I just want you to be able to move through like the setup and the instructions in a way that doesn't make me want to like gnaw my arm off out of boredom and how long you're taking. Yeah, and to be fair, there are times that even though I've watched movie the videos and I've read through the rules, we'll still play half a game wrong. So I'm, I'm not saying you have to, Yeah, I'm not saying you have to get it right. <laughs> Just <laughs> you need to <laughs> you need to at least know it so we can get started. I'm <laughs> awful with that. I do that all the time. I miss crucial rules all the time. I miss stuff and explanations that's super important all the time. So I I can yeah, I can overlook all that. It's just, at least it be a little bit familiar with the game. That's all I'm asking. Or if you bring in that you've never played, but you know I have, and you're like, hey, I want to play this. I bought this game. I'm happy to take over and teach it. Like, I'm cool with that, too. Yeah, yeah, same, same. All right, so the next one, uh, this is one, I, I'm. this is almost <laughs> one of the ones that I want to happen every single time. We don't always do this. 
So but Jason be gets times, belligerent when we don't. Yeah, so there will be times when I say what this is that we don't do this, but in my head I'm thinking this. If there's five <laughs> or more people at the game night, five or more, so that's more than four, if there's five or more, two tables. So you're going to have a table of two or a table of three, table of four, somebody could play solo. Whatever you want to break it up, I don't really <laughs> care. But if there's five or more people, break it down into smaller groups. So, and yes, I'm kind of being like tongue in cheek there. I'll play five, six player games. I don't really care all the time. Sometimes I do care, but most of the time I really don't care. But the reason for this is a lot of the big Euro games that we play at less player counts, they play the same, but they're faster. So while we can get through more games with less players, I still get the full experience of what that would feel like at a higher player count, but I'm not spending eight hours wanting to gnaw my arm off. So that's kind of why I'm saying that I'm not going to do that. If six people are at our house, we'll play some games that six people can play. I don't really care, but I'm thinking that in my head and that's my ideal game night. So if five or more people were there, break into two groups. Oh, the, the <laughs> This is the one thing that I think causes the most tension for Jason. Like, especially because being the person that I am, I'm like, oh, the more the merrier. You want to invite your neighbor to our game night? You want to bring your sister and her cousin or whatever? Cool, let's do it. Um, but Jason's like, if you want them all to play the same game, get out of my house. Like, He's like, I'll go play by myself in the back room to a game that I want to play because I don't want to. He doesn't like games that suit that many people. Um, however, I do. I really do. Um, so one of the things I like, I like to see in a game night is at least a game or two of a party game or a, a game that has large group interaction. Um, you know, to do like a big game of like bang or, um, you know, growl, some type of werewolf game. Um, ladies and gentlemen is one of my favorite large group games. Um, I don't know, a hoax or code names or, you know, any of those games, like not just like party games where, oh, we have a large number of people, but games that are really interactive so that people can be talking and um, people can be laughing and making jokes. And it's just like a big group thing. There's not a ton of strategy going on. It's not like a super concentration on a board, but it's just like a big rousing good time. Like I need at least one, one of those in my like a whole day game interaction because that that just really is something that I love because I I do I'm a total extrovert I just thrive on being with people and so I I like to have those like big party game experiences which Jason hates <laughs> there are some approved ones I, you mentioned one ladies and gentlemen is fine um, the games that are in the books from Facade like Tortuga and Salem those are fine just one is fine. There are some approved ones, but I just don't want to spend all, all day playing those. Just I don't enjoy that as much. Too much interaction with people, not my thing. So <laughs> just don't make me do it all day. I'll do some. That's fine. A game or two is fine. I just don't want to do it all day. All right. So the next one that Katie kind of alluded to earlier is one that I do. I would do. We don't do it, but I would do this if we didn't have kids. <laughs> and I would just play games and not eat and uh, the outline also says talking that basically means like conversations <laughs> while you're playing the game yes like we talk while we're playing the games it's not like we're sitting there dead silent playing these games so no t no stopping gaming to eat or talk just game that's what this says but really what that means is once i start gaming i'm going to keep gaming until it's time to stop gaming 
I don't need to eat food. I don't need, I'll have some Mountain Dew. I'll keep the Mountain Dew flowing, but I don't need to eat food. Uh, I don't need to have side conversations. Any conversation that I need to have, we can have while we're setting up a game. Um, all that type of thing. Again, makes me sound like an awful human being. I understand. These make me sound terrible. <laughs> and I think that's okay, I guess. But again, I don't always do these things. I'm just saying this is what I would like to have in a game night. We talk during game nights. We stop and we eat. We do all the things that you're supposed to do as adults and human beings. It's just if I didn't <laughs> have to... I wouldn't. I would do no stopping to talk, no stopping to eat, and just keep gaming. Maximum game time. That's my deal. So there you go. I feel like people are like, how did these two get married like ever? <laughs> 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 they don't agree on anything. Um, yeah. So my, I, I will take my fourth one is going to kind of be the reverse of that for Jason. I liked when there was organized snacking slash meals. And this is probably because of gender stereotypes um, or also the fact that I'm able to multitask as a woman. Um, but a lot of times we game and our kids are there. And also a lot of times we are inadvertently the host. A good host makes sure that everyone is taken care of. And that includes food and drink. And, um, you know, Jason will like go in like balls to the wall as far as a game day is concerned. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to start at 830. We're going to go till like everybody drops and it's going to be great. Like, OK, I got me like a 12 pack of, you know, Mountain Dew Zero. We're good. And I'm like, um, what if people don't like that? Uh, what about lunch? Like people are going to want to eat dinner at some point. OK, we've been gaming for a while. It's two o'clock and no one's had anything to eat. Like I'm starving. Our kids are psychos. Like everyone else is looking around, like trying to find some candy or something. You could help these people out. Um, I, I could, but I'm gaming. And so what ends up happening is if they're not organized, if I don't plan ahead and say, okay, okay, I'm buying these bags of chips. I'm buying these two liters of pop. They're going to be here. I'm going to tell everybody where they are. Um, I'm going to order pizza for lunch. And then, you know, if someone wants to snack on that throughout the day, they can. And then at dinner, I'm going to bring out, I, I've got a crock pot of chili that has been cooking all day. Great. Perfect. If I don't do that, inevitably what happens is it's like 630 and I'm like, our kids haven't eaten. These people haven't eaten. Everyone's starving. Jason is still good to go because he's jazz on Mountain Dew. Um, I have to excuse myself from the game and sit out in order to take care of people's eating, people's needs as far as food and drink and whatever else. And I am happy to do that because I think that's part of being a good host. And that's something that I care about. Um, but also I really like to play games. I don't like to be the missus that goes in the kitchen and makes a pie where everybody else gets to have fun. Katie don't roll like that. It's like that um, old school battleship game where the um, the dad and the son are playing the battleship game and the mom and the daughter are washing the dishes, watching how much fun they're having. What That's are you what talking like. about? You've never seen that box cover? No. Yeah, there's an old bo box cover of battleship where the dad and the kid and the son are playing a game of battleship and having a great time. And, the, and in the background of the box, the mom and the daughter are washing dishes and they're like watching the dad and the son have fun and like smiling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, and that's what, like, when we had, um, you know, Rundown Mechanic Con or whatever, Mechanics Rundown Con, I had such a great time. But it was almost 7 o'clock. No one had eaten. There was no food there in this house because it wasn't our house. And I'm like, okay, I'll run and get food. What did I miss? One of my favorite games at which I dominate. But I took one for the team. 
So if I had organized that better, and I blame myself, if I had organized snacking and meals taken care of, were there drinks for everybody? I don't, I don't like to run out. I want to make sure everybody has something to drink. Everybody has something to eat. I don't know. Like I'm like an 80 year grandma. <laughs> oh, have you eaten? You're too skinny. I just need that organized and make sure everybody's taken care of. So that is one of the things that I need to have done in a game night. We need to plan that ahead. We need to sort that crap out so that nobody goes hungry, nobody's thirsty, everybody's happy and able to play games. Yeah, I appreciate when you do that. Do you? <laughs> I do. Maybe you should think about it next time. I will say that I will try. Okay. But I probably won't. I learned um, my lesson. I learned my lesson. <laughs> So the last thing I want to talk about, I kind of already mentioned earlier, no party games or very few party games. No more than one is what he means. Yeah, if I'm over all. those. I'm over those. Sometimes they're okay. If they're with the right group, certain ones can be fine. There are certain party games that have a little more depth and strategy. Those are fine. But I'm having game night. I want to play games that are fun to me and party games are not fun to me. So I don't want to play those. I will play those because... Other people want to play them, and like I just like wife. playing. Yeah, and I like playing games, so I will play them, but I don't want to. So, in my perfect game night, there would be no party games, or very few, meaning one. There would be one party game. So that's the last thing that would would cap off my perfect game night. If those games were not even in the building, <laughs> that would be a good night. Oh boy, yeah, I. I how have we had successful game nights? I don't know. What would be nice is we play a party game and you go get, in fo- get food while I have fun with everybody else. That sounds like I will do that. You do a party game. I'll go get some food because I'm out. <laughs> um, and my last one is one that this apply to, applies to almost all gaming situations. And I think Jason's with me on that. And I really think there needs to be a clear method for deciding what you're going to play. Um, and I know, and part of the reason why I feel so strongly about this is because I know it irritates Jason a lot. If we're sitting around and everyone's like, oh, what do you want to play? And he's like chomping at the bit. Like he would just like, (laughs) (laughs) I can see the smoke coming out of his ears. He's like, just pick a freaking game and let's play it. Like daylight is burning. I got a new can of Mountain Dew. Like, let's do this. He just can't like it. It bugs him. And so, and and for me too, because I, I definitely want to be diplomatic and I want to make sure everyone's playing a game they like, but I frequently play games that I hate um, because other people bring them. And frankly, because I'm judging McJutcherson about games before I play them and I get that. So I just force myself to play it, suck it up and I might like it. Um, so you either you need to say, and it can be, it can be as simple as saying, hey, I got this new game. Let's play it at our game night. And I'm like, yes, perfect. And I'll say, oh, oh, I have this game we were talking about last week. Let's play that one, too. Now we've got a plan. And honestly, I'm not a big planner. As much as this sounds like I am, I love to go with the flow. But I, when there's too much downtime, that when some people can get dissatisfied, people don't have a good time, I'm being a bad hostess, I don't like that. So it can be simple as, okay, I brought these three games. Let's play them. Or, oh, let's have a theme and we're going to play games that are like this. Or, okay, I want to play this type of game with this mechanic. All right, well, let's go find one like that. Um, you know, we have almost 400 games. So if you say, you know, I want to play a game that's, yeah, like this, we can find one like that. Or, oh, I saw this game um, on a video or an episode from somewhere. Do you have it? 
That's perfect. I know some people that have like, um, they put games they want to play in like a um, piece of paper in a fishbowl and they draw one out and that's how they choose what to play. Or um, those dorks over at Board Game Rundown do like a roulette wheel or something. Right? Do they actually? Yeah, they roll. They roll a ten-sided die or something like that. <laughs> See, yeah. I don't even watch enough to know how they do it. <laughs> Somehow they decide. <laughs> Apparently, they roll. They roll a die, and that decides um, what game they're going to play. You could do that. Um, I think there are apps I've seen some people use or develop or something to choose a game for for them. Great. Just as long as there's some kind of way to decide or it's somebody's birthday. So they pick the games they want to play or, you know, whatever. Or we pick one, you pick, I pick one, you pick one. Everybody takes a turn picking a game they want to play. That's awesome. As long as that is happening. So it's never like, I don't know. What do you want to play? Wow. What do you want to play? Oh, I don't care what we play. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'll play anything. No, no. Somebody make a decision and let's do it. So that's my last one. There needs to be some kind of clear method for deciding what to play. Yeah, we were talking about that when we were eating dinner today. And I didn't even think about that one. Because every single time that we, like, like when we have a big game day, like we did and when we were in Indiana, we were just like, what do we want to play? I don't know. And then we, <laughs> you know, we did, the, we did the dance that we always do. The, ooh, I brought this. No, I brought this. I brought this too. I brought this. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. This thing is super, like, that's a super important thing. Like, of all these, that's probably a, a legit one that needs to, something to be thought about. Like, a real one, a serious one. Like, how are we going to decide what we're going to play so it's fair when people come over that we're playing some of their games, some of our games, and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's probably the best pick on the list, actually, that one. I know. Thank you. Well, even even the fact where I understand that you want to be accommodating for people. That's the thing. is the ones to be like, I don't want to play that game. Although, sometimes I do say that. Um <laughs> But even to say, like, when we play with other people and say, oh, I brought this, this, and this, and someone to say, oh, yeah, I saw something about that, or I saw that at the game store the other day. Yeah, let's try it. That's really helpful. I think that's important. Um, That's something that you can do to kind of eliminate that, like, little dance. Um, So even as you're suggesting, like, being able to speak up and say, yes, I'm interested in that um, is a great way just to make that happen. Yep, I agree. Okay, so those are the kind of things that go into like our dream game night. Now, what's funny is that mine and Jason's dream game nights are very different, and yet we have them together all the time. <laughs> yeah, so a funny thing is we were at we were at with some people on church on Sunday on one of the Sundays, and they were talking about wanting to play games, and then I told them what I wanted in a game night, and like I don't think I want to play games with you. But then we played games together, and it was fine, and we had a great time. So even though this is my list, I can still play games with anybody, and I will not, I will not adhere to all the things that are on my list right here. I'll just play games and I'll have fun because that's what game night is about. Right, and and I'm the same way. Like there are definitely times where I play games I did not enjoy and structures that I was not into. Um, but I, yes, again, we love to play games, and there. Th- but this is our ideal. If we could make it any way we wanted, this is what would happen <laughs> our game night. So, what about you? What are some things that you really want to have at your ideal game night? Only certain types of games, um, certain types of people, certain types of food. Um, how do you decide what game to play? Let us know. Tell us on um, Facebook on our Facebook page. Um, definitely hashtag the Riveted. You guys, it's a great place to be. I'm telling you. Um, check that out. Tell us 
about your game nights. We hear a lot about people posting pictures and stuff of their game nights, which is great. So I'd love to see what you think an ideal game night would be, especially now that the vaccine's getting out, we're able to actually have game nights with lots of people again, or some people again. Um, what do you what are you hoping for? You can also tell us on Instagram, on Twitter, comment on the YouTube version of this of our podcast. Or while you're there, check out all of our other YouTube videos. Um, hit like, subscribe, click on the picture of the bell. I will not say ring, hit, slam, smash the bell. That's dumb. It is a outline of a bell. Fill it in when you click on it or whatever it does. I don't know. I don't watch YouTube videos. <laughs> I don't. I was like, oh, I think I subscribe to these people. Why does it never tell me when they put stuff up? Jason's like, uh... You had the notification shut off. I'm like, huh, okay. I guess that explains it. <laughs> Katie's not good at technology. No, I'm an elder millennial. And um, yeah, I don't. If we had a computer that I could still put a big floppy in and play Oregon Trail, I, I'm there. Um, everything else, no bueno. No bueno. But still, <laughs> keep trying to reach out us, to us on social media. Jason monitors most of those accounts, so I can't screw them up too badly when I don't understand technology and I just start banging my phone on the table or computer like, oh, devil machine, why won't you work? I actually did that tonight already. <laughs> the files are in the computer. The files are in the computer. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep cut. If anyone knows that quote's from, I'll give you a big fat imaginary kiss on the lips because you're cool. Um, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think we've said enough and made people never want to play games with us again. That's so, probably yeah, true. I, Except now I, I feel like I want to organize a game night again. <laughs> <laughs> Although, looking at our list, I don't even think we can game, have game night with each other because they don't really go together. I know. Um, I just, yeah. <laughs> we can't play any of the games. I can set up and plan out the game night. You will start early. I would show up late. Um, you would never eat anything, but if I had it there, you would be okay. Um, and you wouldn't want to play any games I wanted to play. And I'd want more people and you'd be like, can't just the two of us play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what your ideal game night would consist of. We love to hear from you guys. All right. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. And just not in groups of more than four. <laughs> <laughs>